if you're really in this industry because you want to be in this industry, you have to respect yourself before you can get respect from somebody else. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. Text me what your favorite episode is, how I could improve the podcast, what products would you like to see, but most importantly, I just want to connect with you. Text me at 614-953-6380. Again, that's 614-953-6380. I receive each message directly, and I'm excited to hear from you. Go on, press pause, and save my number, 614-953-6380. Madison Alexander is in the driver's seat today. She spent her entire childhood around cars. I guess you could say it's in her blood. She originally wanted to be a mechanic, but one day, while she was in her high school shop class, she wandered over to the auto body side. She was hooked immediately and never looked back. By her senior year, she had placed first in the Skills USA competition for the state of Tennessee. She painted the popular all-female build Chevy Montage in the 1936 Pontiac that earned them the Great Eight designation at the Detroit Autorama. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you, and I have Madison Alexander in the driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Madison? I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be on the show. I am constantly in this search to find new and interesting women in the industry and uh, you fit the Femcanic Garage profile to a T. You are a woman of class. So thanks again for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for reaching out. It means a lot. Now, one thing I like doing, even though there's a pre-recorded bio and the folks have an idea of your background, I like learning women's stories through their journey. I saw in the information that you provided me that you grew up around this cars is in it's in the dna of your family is that really where it all got started then for you oh yeah absolutely it's funny because i would walk outside you know i would go outside to play on the playset, and my dad and my grandfather were outside just painting a car under the shade tree you know no big deal and I would go outside to play and they were like, no, 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 we're painting a car. Go back inside. I don't want you breathing these fumes, you know. And it was just nonstop something every day. Uh, I was in a race car by the time I was 12, I think. So, oh, yeah, big race car family. Uh, they would flip cars. Anything and everything that has to do with motor 
they were all about it, you know. What What did mom think about you being in, in a race car that young? Oh, my goodness. My mom is the most supportive mom ever. So one time I flipped like eight times. It was pretty crazy. What kind of car were you in? Was it a go-kart? Was it a... Oh, no. Um, they call them Hummer. Hummer classes. Let me remind you, I was like 13. So uh-huh. I didn't have a, a super fast car at all. Um, it was like a little Saturn or something, you know. Enough to flip that many times, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I flipped it pretty good, for sure. But I feel like she was more just, you know, nervous about the whole thing. But whenever I flipped that one time, they had to pick me up in an ambulance and I had to go around to the pits. And all I see is my mom just fly, like she just flung the door open and just ran up in there. Like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just a little dizzy (laughs) from flipping so many times. Like going on a (laughs) merry-go-round. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was a fun time. Then I turned 16, I was able to drive, and then I didn't really race anymore. You know, my interest was like going out to the river, going over to friends, you know, those kind of things. But that is about where I picked up the auto body side. How so? Because I, I think it's kind of funny how your 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 dad and your grandpa would be like, get away from here. Don't, don't want you sucking up these fumes. And now you've yeah. made a career, not out of sucking up the fumes, but painting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they were more uh, shade tree mechanics. And I originally wanted to be a mechanic. In high school, they have, or we had like a technical building, you know, so we would have uh, a mechanics class and an auto body class. So whenever I was a freshman, I, the first thing I signed up for was the mechanics class. And I really enjoyed it, you know, learning all the basics changing brakes oh this is so fun just anything to do with a car I was all about so it was I was in the mechanics class and then I kind of snuck my way over to the auto body side and you know I was I was pretty artistic like I like to draw and I like to paint just on canvas you know I liked doing some artsy things so whenever I went over to the auto body side you know the first thing that he had me do was Uh, fix a body line and you know pretty much make a body line out of bondo right and i was like wow this is really cool i get to sculpt this body line out of this stuff you know and then i get to paint it i get to pick a color and create a color for this and paint it this is awesome so i was able to combine my love for the arts i guess you could say and my love for cars. And here we are. Wow. And, and I'm curious, I always ask the women that I interview just to have this breadth of, I guess, variance and different experiences. Mm-hmm. In those classes, were you the only female or were there multiple females in your classes? There were There were other girls in my class. You know, I guess I was the first one to really take it and run with it you know what I mean everybody else was just in there just to have fun you know oh this is a chill class I don't have to sit in a language or English class for an hour and a half you know so oh I guess I was the only one that was like wow okay well this is something that I actually want to do 
Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm taking this seriously, you know. How were you received in that class? And I understand what you're saying. Some of them were like, okay, I got to get these credits. Right. But it's clear to anyone that observes even remotely when someone is interested in something. Mm-hmm. And from the sounds of it, you were definitely interested in it. And I imagine you probably started to excel throughout the class the more experience and more knowledge you got. Yeah. So the instructor, was she's pretty much still like a second dad to me, you know. It was his first year. Like, I, whenever I was in the mechanics class, he had just started. So, like, I was his first real student that he really got to train. And, I, I mean, I think that he he's seen that, okay, well, you know, she's pretty serious. You know, like, I'll I'll show her the, the tricks and, and everything. And he was, he was super supportive. Like I said, he's, he's like a second dad to me, you know. I guess just because he put the effort in me because I appreciated it. And he knew he was planting those seeds, you know, for me in my future. It's like a teacher's dream right there. Oh, yeah. You become a teacher and and it doesn't have to be in a formal classroom. That could be mentoring, right? Just right. mentoring. People crave the people who want to do those things. Right. And, yeah. and I am one of those. I, I love helping the person who is a sponge and who shows this great interest in just soaking it all up. It, it's one of the greatest experiences as a mentor. Oh, I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. That, and you saying that as a sponge, that, that kind of sounds like me because I'm all the time wanting to learn something. Um, Okay. So like the other day we were at a we were at our friend's pizza joint and he just, he just opened up this pizza place and he would hand toss his own pizzas. And I'm just sitting there watching him and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, it's just really cool. You know, (laughs) how you do that. And I'm just, I just want to learn everything. And it is amazing how they do that. It It is. Yeah. Yeah, I could sit there and probably watch, stare and watch them do that for for a hot minute. And what I can tell you is I have never in my life in person seen someone toss pizza dough. I think it would be super cool. And and I would do the same thing that you did. I would sit there and stare at them. They would probably think I was creepy or something, but I would just be so fascinated by it where it's like, yeah, it's way cool. You know, this guy, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's from Chicago, so... He's the real deal. <laughs> he knows what he's doing for sure. Now, you were in this um, auto body class in what you were 16, you were in high school? Yeah. Uh, um, probably started the class 15, okay. maybe 14 or 15. Now, were there other classes, like uh, more advanced classes you could take, or is this one of those things once that year was done? Just kind of wait till you're done with high school and then make a make a decision at that point what direction. So yeah, there was there was definitely more advanced classes with that. Um, the first class that you ever take is transportation core, and that's where I was in the mechanics class. And I really thought I wanted to be a mechanic, <laughs> so I took that class first, and then from there, you know, there's advanced mechanic classes, brake, suspension, electrical, you know, those things, and then in the auto body side there was structural repair non-structural repair paint uh, I think it was just paint 
and a bunch of different little stuff like that. There may have been, he may have done a custom paint class. I'm not for sure, but yeah, if there was a class, I was in there and I'll tell you how supportive the teachers were. I, if I don't know if I was done with a quiz or something and like my English class, <laughs> uh, my instructor, he would call, he would call in the class and be like, Hey, um, can I get Madison out of class? Like I need her to paint this car. So like he would get me out of all kinds of classes just to go paint stuff, you know? And it was, it was just awesome. Wow. So here you are honing these skills at a young age. You graduate high school. What's that decision point? Well, in high school, uh, there were competitions, uh, Skills USA competitions. So I went three years in a row, and I actually like I, I did terrible the first year. Uh, second year, I got second place, and then my senior year is whenever I won. I'm going to pause you for a second, Madison, because not everyone knows what Skills USA is. At a high level, can you help the listeners understand? Okay, so you won Skills USA, and what does that mean? What is that competition? Skills USA is a type of club. Uh, you know, you have like your beta clubs, your um, FFA clubs, and you know you can go to competitions for those and earn scholarships. And it's like it's a it's a great networking event, I guess you could say too. So. I was able to compete in Skills USA on the state level for the state of Tennessee. And so my senior year um, is whenever I won. And they said I was the first female to win for the state of Tennessee, which I thought was pretty cool. Wait, I'm going to pause you because you're being very modest right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard Skills USA is a big, big to-do. And anyone in the automotive industry knows what Skills USA is. For for the athletes, that's like the, I don't know, minor leagues to get into the major leagues type thing where it's kind of the yeah. tryouts, if you will. Like, it's it's a big deal. And you're, you're so modest about it. I, gotta, <laughs> I need to build you up here, girl. It's like... <laughs> And think about that. Skills USA. Let me, I'm just curious here. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Because I want to see how long this has been around. So we're, we're going to check this out. Okay. About, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Let's see I if it says you. here. Okay. There's 53 state and territorial associations, 13.6 million annual members total since 1965. So this has been around since 1965. There's 650 national partners, more than 19,000 classrooms conducting Skills USA training nationwide, thousands of community service activities each year, and one-fourth of the U.S. occupational areas covered by Skills USA curriculum. So that equates, based on their website, to 130 job categories. So again, for you to win, the entire state 
of Tennessee is a big deal. And what is even cooler, and I tip my hat to you, Madison, you are the first female that has ever won it for the state. And this in this Skills USA institution has been around since 1965. Yeah, it's cool, I guess. <laughs> Listen to you. Let that sink in a moment, girl. Yes, pat yourself on the back. And if you won't do it, I'm going to virtually do it for you. <laughs> That, that is impressive, and that is a way, way cool thing. And I imagine your teacher was glowing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and um, it was automotive refinish technology. So there's a collision repair side, and then there's the paint side. So that's the one that I won was for the paint side. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a crazy story about that year, too. So I had a dream the night before we go to the skills competition. And it was like my number was in my dream. My number was ART 106, you know, automotive refinish technology 106. And I had won whenever I got that number. So the next day we go up to register and my number is ART 106. And I was like, okay, that is insane. Pretty cool. Not going to freak out. So anyway, the, the, you know, go through the competition. I thought I completely blew it because I had a little sag in my clear and I was so mad. I was, I was like throwing the paint booth door open. I'm like, I had a sag in my clear and they were like, chill out. <laughs> like, it's just a sag. I'm like, it's a sag. <laughs> you know, I'm just crying about it. And Oh man, I I thought I completely blew it. But the day before the award ceremony, I had another dream that like they didn't call my name and something got messed up. Like the something got messed up, but I had actually won. So then next day at the award ceremony, they call the the top three people, you know, whatever, and my name wasn't called. And immediately, I just was, I just broke down crying. You know, I'm like, "Ah, I knew I blew it, you know. And whenever the people that were called were up there, the first place, nobody was even standing in the first place position. And I'm like, they couldn't even make it to the award ceremony, you know, and they won. (laughs) And I was just so mad. So I just, I started crying. I was like, we're leaving. I'm done with this. So anyway, we're about an hour away because we just left, you know. We're about an hour away and we get a phone call that says, hey, something happened with the tallies, with them tallying everything up and you actually won. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm an hour away now. Sorry. You know, (laughs) so anyway, it was really cool. Um, You didn't even get to go up on stage and receive it. No. I didn't. Well, I tell you what, spoiler alert to those listeners, I think uh, everything eventually comes around because you are the one who painted the Chevy montage for the all-girls build (laughs) in 2017, which was the largest gathering around a reveal in SEMA history at that time. (laughs) That was, that was really cool. Like, I was, I was so nervous just standing there with everybody and... Oh, it was 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 an energy. It was an energy for for sure. For sure. Wow. And and I'm just curious. And this is, like I said, pure curiosity. Mm -hmm. Skills USA, when you think about the automotive industry, 
I'm totally making an assumption here because I've never attended one, that for the automotive skills, the majority of the contestants there are male. Is that an accurate assumption? Uh, Correct. Now, I'm just curious because as females, we typically are emotional beings. And like you mentioned (laughs) that you're like, hey, didn't even make it up there. You're really mad at yourself and you started to cry. Oh, yeah, man. What was that like? I mean, because I imagine if it's majority of men that a lot of them, because men in society are taught not to cry, right? Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. But men have feelings, too. But I'm guessing there's a you don't see a lot of that. How was that received? What what was that like for you? Um, I have always been a crier, first of all. Like, I, I'll cry watching Bambi, you know? Like, I'm just... That is a very sad cartoon. <laughs> See? I mean, it's terrible. And I'll watch a Disney movie, and I'm just like, why Disney got to do me like that? Make me cry. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm just... I don't know. I'm a crier. So, I mean, I don't know. It was... It was something that I was really passionate about, and I was just, I was just really hurt. The fact that, you know, I'm like, man, I, I put my heart and soul into this, and the the first place person just doesn't even care to show up to the award ceremony. Did they even announce it? They okay. I don't know what happened, but they announced another name for it, they were in like the college section or something now, you know i was in high school oh so they announced the college person for the high school yes yes oh. so i don't i don't know what happened but it was a happy ending either way um the guy who was over all of skills of tennessee he actually came out to my high school and we did like this big uh like award ceremony thing in the library and you know whenever at our graduation the principal made a specific announcement and I had to stand up in front of everybody at the graduation and he acknowledged me so it wasn't like eh, you know whatever like even if he didn't do that I would have been fine right you know would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert Madison little bit of both i guess so like Um, that center of attention right there can you roll with it or was did it make you really uncomfortable i don't i don't like attention you know what i mean i'm not i'm not one of those people that crave it seek it out no yeah mm -mm. no and you said something about being modest earlier i'm like i just like don't draw attention i don't like that you know i'm just i'm not a fan of having that kind of attention. Understood. A lot of the good ones are that way. So when you, so you won Skills USA and what happened after high school? What did you decide to do after high school then? Okay. So I went to nationals for skills and I placed 11th, which I guess wasn't all that bad, but I was beating myself up about it too, because I'm like, I knew what these answers were, you know, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I'll connect the dots here in a second, but I ended up going to Nashville Auto Diesel College, you know, in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was only two hours away from me. I was pretty close to home. Yeah, so I went there for the 13-month program. 
I don't know. Um, I, it was just for the collision repair program. They had a custom paint class, which was pretty cool. So you ended up graduating from there. Yes. And yeah. were you working while you were going to school or just exclusively at school then? Um, I worked a little bit at O'Reilly's at the paint counter, you know, mixing up paint. Mm-hmm. Now, once you, you had mentioned you, and, and I don't mean to digress here, but you mentioned you came in 11th place and you knew the answers. Can you uh kind of bring the listeners and myself along? What do you mean by that? Because when I okay. sit there and think about answers, I'm like, aren't you just painting cars? That's what, <laughs> what, what's okay. there to answer? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you have like a prep a prep station, a paint station, and then you have a color tinting station. And the color tinting station is what got me because I I know my color wheel, you know, I'm good. I don't know what happened. I I panicked or something and I completely flopped that whole section. I've made like a 50 out of it. And, you know, I, I scored high and everything else, but man, I wish like, you know, after that, I'm like, Oh, I knew I, I like I, I knew what those were and you know it's like hey if this hue that hue you know it's just a color tinting thing they have they do have quizzes you know your SAE type tests you got to take tests for that yeah uh, you just have like little quizzes here and there wow. and you get to print stuff <laughs> interesting interesting so I, I'm just kind of following along you ended up getting your degree and yes. did you have a job lined up with right out of um, right after you graduated? I did. I did. Um, and whenever I was at nationals, I had met who I went to work with. So there was a production company that dealt with uh, auto body industry type stuff, um, paint companies, 3M, you know, those those type of people. So. I graduated and I immediately moved to Little Rock, Arkansas to uh, work there. And that was a that was a pretty awesome gig. I was able to fly out and go to go see Gas Monkey, go see Foose, you know, working all behind the scenes. But, you know, I'm a sponge. So when you when you say you you flew out and you got to see them, when, but you're talking about being a sponge, did you actually work with them or is it just observation? Okay, so the company that I worked for was a production company. They handled social media, they handled advertising. So what would happen would be um, 3M would hire us to go out to Chip Foose's place and Chip Foose will use their products and we would do like demo videos, you know, little little videos like that, how-to videos and we would come back, you know, make them into little videos, put them on their social medias. What? That is such a cool gig. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool and that, I got to meet a lot of people and that is exactly how I got into contact with Bogey and BASF. And I, I got to back up just a moment here because okay. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. So you met them at Skills USA. Yes, they were uh, live streaming the whole competition. Okay. And then they approached you to see if you wanted to be like a brand rep. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some like YouTube videos of 
car stuff. You know, I was more of like the hostish kind of thing. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really like all that. Like, I didn't really like that part all that much because, you know, I'm like, I don't like attention. So <laughs> everybody would like look at me and I would fumble whenever I'm trying to say something. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, this isn't for me. So I'm just curious. Why did they say they chose you? Was it the subject matter expertise? Because it's not like you had production experience before then. You were really hands on in painting. Right. So whenever we went to nationals, my my instructor, my mentor, um, one thing that he really drilled into my head was connections, 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 network. You have to network. So that's how I got to know a lot of people there. And I just kept in contact with that person until I was out of college. So they wanted somebody that knew they wanted somebody that knew about the industry. And that's where I came in and, you know, learning the social media and I don't really do any of the production stuff. I, I'm, I'm completely illiterate with computer stuff. So I'm like, I'll just post on Facebook, you know, post on Instagram. And I was kind of, I was behind the production of, Hey, this is how you're supposed to do this. You know, make sure the camera guys get this angle of what he's supposed to do. Don't get that over there because they're not supposed to be doing that. So leveraged your expertise around yeah. kind of best practices. Yes, 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 yes. And I will look at the TDS sheets. What's TDS? Oh, <laughs> um, the technical um, data sheets. So what is what does that mean even? What is that? Um, okay, so like PPG, uh, the paint companies, they'll have these technical data sheets that says, hey, you're supposed to use 600 or P600 to P1200 grit sandpaper whenever using this product. So mm -hmm. I would make sure that they are using that specific product, you know, according to what Got it. their product says. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't want to, okay, well, you can just use 400. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The TDS says use 600. You have to use 600. You and know, and that's what's captured on video. You're making sure that what they're actually yes. doing when it's captured is right. accurate and consistent with the data sheet. Right. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Wow. It, so you got to like fly all around the country and shoot these like mini videos. Yeah. Wow. What a yeah, gig. <laughs> It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But, you know, you just know sometimes, you know, it's like, this is really cool, but this is not where my heart's at, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I I got to the point, I was like, I've got to get out of here. Like, I couldn't even stay in the state anymore. I was like, I've got to go back home to Tennessee, you know? Like, I've just, I've got to get out of here. Like, I'm, I've got to check, I've got to go after what I want to do. You know, how long did you end up doing that, Madison? At the production company? Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. I was in Little Rock for four years. Um, I think I was doing that maybe a year and a half or two mm -hmm. years out of that. Mm -hmm. And then I was in a high production shop. Now, ex explain for myself and for the listeners, when you say high production shop, 
I'm making some assumptions what that means, but could could you explain what that is? Yeah, absolutely. A high production shop. So I was in one of the largest body shops in the state of Arkansas. I'm pretty sure is what they said. Uh, there were five painters, including myself, and I th- think they added a sixth one. I can't remember, but, um, oh yeah, four, five huge booths in the shop. And it was just knocking them in, knocking them out, you know, really high production, getting stuff done kind of shop. So it relates to just volume, how many they're doing. Got it. Yes. Yes. That's what I assume, but I didn't. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you did that. If you were there for four years, you did the other about two. So you were there for about two years then? Yeah. yeah. And then what made you want to leave there? Okay. So I, I moved to Little Rock for the production company. Um, then I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing anything hands on. You know, I'm just like, uh, like I, I've got to, I've got to be in a shop. You know, so then I went to the, to the collision shop, and then I got to the point where I'm like, um, I need to do something more. So I went back to the production company, doing kind of a different role, um, and they had expanded at this point, so there were more people there. Um, they actually had a shop in the back, and they had a booth back there. Um, you know, we helped. We helped build this booth and there was there's a lot more to do at this point than before. So So I'm gonna pause you for one second because I think there there's an underlying message that, that you're sharing that you don't even know that you're sharing. And this okay. is where I want the listeners to maybe you've picked up on it, maybe you didn't, but you worked for the production company. Mm-hmm. The key is is leaving on good terms. Right. You did this other job getting back in and hands-on and the painting and the working and did that for a minute. And because you left the door open with the production company, you actually were able to go back. And I think that's key. But one, one caveat I want to put out there, if that other company that you left was garbage and treated you like garbage, don't worry about not going back. But it sounds like this production company did right by you. And you kept that door open. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everybody's got their ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, we. It's like, like I said, you know, just stay in contact. You know, if if you have downs, you get over it quick. Talk it out. Everything's fine. You know, that's great. That's great. The so you're with the production company. You helped them set up this booth. It sounds like it was expanding and giving you even more different and new experiences. At some point, it sounded like you got homesick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was four hours away from home. I I did. I completely, I just got homesick. And, you know, like there was no huge cities around me. Um, I just, I got tired of being away from my family for five years, you know. So, yeah, and the... The crowd that was in Little Rock was just awful. The car scene was awful. I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I had to get out of there. I was like, I need to go back home. I don't care. I didn't even have a job lined up whenever I came back home. I said, I will figure it out. 
A leap of faith, a leap of yes. faith. All it often takes. Now, where did you end up meeting your husband? So I was working in Martin, which you don't know where that is, but um, I was working in Martin and it was a hot rod shop, a very high end hot rod shop, which, you know, that that's a job that I was able to get whenever I moved back home, which was awesome. So I was headed to work. It was 6 a.m. So I get pulled over because I did drive a manual and it was 6 a.m. Nobody was coming. So I just casually rolled through a stop sign, you know, <laughs> didn't really want to put it in first gear. So I just rolled on through it, got pulled over. So you know, I didn't really talk my way out of it. He's like, well, you rolled that stop sign. I was like, yeah, I did. Sure did. So anyway, he gave me a ticket. Then I had to go to driving school. And this was in back back home in Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. Got this it. was in Tennessee. I had only been home for maybe six months at this point. And he is an officer in town. So I seen him in driving school and didn't really think much about it. Well, no, I take the back. I had to go to court and I seen him in court. And then he gave me a driving school date. So this was the day that we went to Detroit Autorama and we just got back and it was, it was a miracle because the flyer fell from my sun visor and I completely forgot about driving school, you know, and the sun visor, the, the flyer fell from my sun visor. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I forgot about driving school. Um, uh, hopefully they're not going to arrest me if I'm not there, you know, I'm like freaking out about it. So anyway, go to go to driving school and I'm like the second one to leave and he walks in and you know he asked me a question he's like oh I see you're at Detroit or something at a car show and I was like taken aback I was like yeah and I'm like how does he know <laughs> you know <laughs> right and, um, right little did I know like I didn't know that we were friends on Facebook at that time so oh my god <laughs> anyway so you didn't connect the dots with any of this then? No, I didn't. <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> so, How do you course, know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't pay attention to my Facebook enough. You know, I'm, I'm terrible with that. So, yeah. So we, we kind of chatted a little bit and... Um, I made up some excuse to walk back in there and talk to him some more. And then, um, yeah, then we've been talking ever since. And here we are. Yes, talking ever since you're married now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, haven't missed a beat. That is, that is such a cool and funny story. <laughs> oh, no. And, you know, people that know um, he's an officer, they ask, oh, well, how'd you meet? I was like, well, I got this ticket one day. And they look at him. They're like, oh, I can't believe you would give her a ticket. And I'm like, let me finish. <laughs> it all worked out. It all worked out. <laughs> oh, goodness. So you let's talk a little bit about the Detroit uh, Autorama, because that, that's that's a big to do. You have many feathers in your cap as it relates to painting. So <laughs> Detroit Autorama, for the listener who may or may not know what that is, in a summary, how would you describe what the Detroit Autorama is? Um, Detroit Autorama is the top of the top car shows of the year. That is where the Riddler is crowned. And the Riddler is 
the most pristine award in the industry that and like the America's most beautiful roadster. Um, but I think that the Riddler is the top of the top. And I have always said, like, man, I wish I could just paint a Riddler. That would be awesome. Yeah. So you compete for the Riddler and there's eight of them. There's eight cars that are crowned grade eight. And then from those eight, a Riddler is picked. So uh, whenever I moved back home, um, I was able to get this job at the hot, at this hot rod shop. And I was, like I said, I was, I was only there for like six months and I was able to paint this 36 Pontiac and we took it to Detroit and we got a grade eight, which was awesome. Just a minor thing. I mean, just to put this in perspective, to bring people's timeline along from the time you graduated college to you winning the the vehicle that won the grade eight and you were the painter mm-hmm. for it. What's that time lapse? Um, graduated in 2012. We got the Riddler in 2018. Six years? Six years and probably two, approximately two of those, you weren't even painting cars. Correct. Wow. Yes. Right? Yeah, and it's, this goes back to me just being a sponge. You know, there's a lot of hard-headed people out there. They're like, nope, it's my way or the highway. And like whenever I was out there with Jitfus, with the other guys, you know, Gas Monkey, all these other people that are way smarter than me, um, every time they would do something, I would sit there and watch them. I picked up a lot of trade secrets, I guess you could say, little tricks, and I would apply them. I'm like, oh, well, I've seen so-and-so do this. I'm going to try this. And it's never a closed-minded thing, you know. I'm I'm always learning. I'm always advancing or trying to advance. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's amazing. So here you are. You're at the shop. And <laughs> you guys earn this grade eight, which is like the pinnacle. The only step above that is the Riddler. Right. So who knows? Maybe that's next in the cards for you, Madison. <laughs> Just working your way up, kind of like you did with Skills USA, where you know you just gradually worked your way up to winning it all. So you're uh, at this shop, and yeah. there came a point where you, but you decided to leave the shop. Okay, so <laughs> it's one of those stories. What happened was, <laughs> so um, we get back from Detroit. And everything was cool. That was a Monday. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was off. Thursday, I go into work. Just like nothing, just like everything is fine, you know. I have my work pants on. Like, I'm ready to work. So, clock in. And he says, hey. And there was a lot of weird stuff going on in the shop. Just like the vibe, you know, the work environment was just off. It was terrible. Um, Like, there was a lot of stuff going on. So, anyway, I clock in and I I do something. And then he's like, hey, will you meet me up front? So, I go up front and he, he just says straight up, hey, this isn't working out. I was like, uh, okay, (laughs) you know. And I'm like, why? And he's like, oh, it's just not working out. Why? 
you know, I'm, I just keep asking them why. I you was just like, I know painted a vehicle. <laughs> I, like, I, that's literally what I told him. I said, I know it's not work performance because I was here last week, all week till 4 a.m. trying to get this car to Detroit. Like, uh, like I said, I, it's not, it's not work right. performance. It's not, that's not an issue. What's the deal? Oh, well, it's just not working out, blah, blah, blah. So he slipped up and there was jealousy issues. This is not me speculating or whatever. So I was on the cover of this 3M brochure thing for the new 2.0 cups, PPS cups. So anyway, uh, his son, I think, was in charge of the social media. And he shared, you know, because I posted it because I thought it was pretty cool. So he shared it and he said, oh, you know, congrats to one of our own doing some cool stuff and whatnot. Well, uh, the boss told him to to delete it. Right. And I was like, "Okay, well, that's kind of weird. You know, you're not proud of somebody. You know, that was my first red flag. That's way weird. Yeah. Anyway, as he's firing me. He says something. Yeah, this is where he slips up. He says, you know, it took me 10 years to get my first feature in a magazine. And I look at him and I said, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Wow. I was like, that obviously stemmed from that whole post. Or maybe even, did you get attention in Detroit too while you were there? Oh, yes. It was, it was crazy. apparently people fly off the handle if they know a girl painted something who would have known but i didn't know and this you learn the hard way on some stuff at detroit which is really cool you get a day in advance to set up like you can sand and buff right there on the showroom floor which i thought was pretty cool you know there's a whole row of cars and people are just cutting and buffing on this stuff and I'm like, I had no idea we could do this. You know, I would be standing and buffing some stuff right now. I just thought we were done. So I knew a couple guys from Wizards and they had, you know, they, they let me use a buffer. They let me use all the stuff, right? So I'm like, okay, I got to get this car buffed. Do something to this car. So me buffing on this car, I didn't know that people were chit-chatting about it. But, um, like, the next day, I had another friend that was there. Uh, he owns a shop in Kentucky. He just looked at me. He was like, no, no, no. Like, people know that this is the one that the girl painted. And I was like, that's cool and all. But, like, are they saying it? It looks good. Like, that's what I'm worried about. How do you feel about that, Madison? I'm, I'm just curious because I have heard other stories where there is a jealousy factor where – There's some men, not all of them, but there are some men who feel the recognition that some women get is whether it's in motorsports and Mm -hmm. maybe it's the sponsors that they get or the attention that they get or in automotive, any other automotive space, that it's because they're a girl. What do you think about that when things like that are said? It gets on my nerves so bad. I mean, I think that's. That has a lot to do with me not wanting my face on anything. You know what I mean? I'm more of like, hey, here's my work. Don't look at me. Look at what I produced. You know, like that's that's where I'm at. 
then I've been I've been called every name in the book. You know, in high school there was stuff written about me on the bathroom stall, you know. In college there was a lot of jealousy with this one girl that was in my class and I, it was it was it's not like it's funny that I, I think back about it now, but um we were in paint class and the instructor was saying we were talking about candy paint jobs, like true candy paint jobs. And he was saying, if anybody were to walk out of this classroom that could, that I had confidence I could do a a true candy paint job, it would be Madison. And the looks that I got from these people, I was like, you know, quit looking at me, you know. Just out of curiosity, Madison, because you you bring up a good point. How did you handle those things? Because you just shared a couple of off-the-cuff examples of some of those kind of uncomfortable um, unjustified situations that you were put in. Right. How did you handle those? If you were talking to other, you know, young women coming up through the industry, what tips and tricks would you tell them to help them through their journey? First, I'll try to be as delicate with this situation or with this conversation because there are some bad apples and I have been denied jobs because of bad apples, multiple jobs. Like I can count more than one because they didn't want a female in the shop because their wife is jealous. And, you know, they've had a female in the shop and they've slept with everybody in the shop and in the mechanic shop. You know what I mean? So. Ugh. I think that says it all right there, Madison. Yeah. <laughs> If you're really in this industry because you want to be in this industry, you have to respect yourself before you can get respect from somebody else. And what I mean by that is, you know, I can't be posing in some booty shorts across the hood of a car and be taken seriously. You know, we've we've got to present ourselves not your typical stereotype, whatever, you know. I'm seeing what you got for me, though. This, this is a tough topic, right? It, it's, it is. Um, it is. It's something that I've I've tried to explain because it's the very essence of what Femcanic Garage is about. Uh, right. It, it boils down to me, and you can tell me if I'm misrepresenting what you're trying to say in any way. It boils down to me. I have a My daughter is going to turn 13 years old next week. Mm-hmm. And I know she goes online and checks out what mom does. And right. she probably checks out these women that I'm interviewing as well. Social mm-hmm. media, you can find tons of different things, right? Internet, you right. can find tons of different things. And what I ask myself is, before I ask anyone to be on the Femcanic Garage show, I go and research them myself. And I ask right. myself a simple question. Is this the type of image in female empowerment I want my daughter to use as a role model. If I can answer yes to that, that woman is a woman I want on my podcast. That is very well said. And I don't want my, my, my daughter's gorgeous. She's a beautiful young girl. And I don't want her thinking the only way to get attention and to get someplace is through sexualizing herself. And don't right. get me wrong, I 
I want women to embrace their femininity. I, I love that we can be in a male dominated industry and still be feminine. It's the very essence mm-hmm. of the word femcanic. <laughs> right. Right. Let's embrace our feminism. And female empowerment does not equal male disempowerment. And I want to I want to be a role model. And I want all these women that I interview because everything always sounds better when it's not coming from mom. (laughs) Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone else is the genius, not mom. (laughs) But if through the women that I interview, maybe just maybe it'll create this space for teaching young women how they can be strong, independent, intelligent, feminine women. That embrace right. their femininity without sexualizing themselves. One hundred percent. It's yeah. it's tough. I've heard multiple things through these interviews where there, when you say one bad apple can ruin the whole bunch, is that there are women out there who do it more for the attention, right, than f- for the love of the skill, right, or the sport, and it it's it's more about that for you, right. So to circle back to it, the girls out here that really do have their heart and soul into it, you will get the the nasty remarks, the, oh, well, you just do it for the attention and you're where you are because you are a female. You know, those kind of things, which has happened to me multiple times. I will give one example. Um, there's a shop down the road. This was right whenever I opened up my shop. We we were able to get a job and we bought a a brand new coyote. Well, I say we, but um, you know, the customer he wanted a, a crate coyote in this 68 F 100 So anyway, I was super excited about it and um I posted a selfie. It's just kind of like me and this engine on the crate and like a thumbs up, like, ooh, I'm so excited for this, you know. And this person was like, so who's going to put that in? I was like, we are. And he went on to talking about how I, I'm at, I'm where I am because I'm a female and I have all these sponsorships. That's how I'm able to do what I do. And, you know, just a whole lot of crazy talk. Most of the people that say these kind of things don't know you at all. They don't know your story. They're, it's all rooted out of jealousy. Nobody gives me anything. I've had to buy everything here. Uh, nobody gives me anything for free. I have no sponsorships. This is us working hard, building the shop up. Good for you for standing your ground. Yeah. Good for you. I think this this kind of segues in. You kind of mentioned it, but you have your own shop now. Yeah. You were forced into that because of exactly what you just said is around jealousy. Yeah. How crazy is it that um we were in church Sunday and I was talking to a guy and he was saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I heard um I heard there was a girl that was painting here and then he let her go because he was there was jealousy issues and. She's over here working at her own shop. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's pretty that's pretty funny that other people see it, too. Wow. Was that a different female that happened to or he, he was just heard about this story and the story was really you? 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And he didn't even realize it. No, didn't even realize it. Wow. So how has your business has been up and going for how long? Um, a little over two years. We opened uh, July, August-ish in 2018. Well, congratulations. And, you know, hey, your doors are still open. You're surviving through COVID. So kudos to, to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been rough on everybody. Um, you know, I, I feel for the small businesses in our town that had to shut down. It was just, uh, it was, it's just been a weird year, you know? Yes, it has. This is, this has been one of the most challenging years by far for many reasons. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, the very thing that I love about this industry, we couldn't have any of those events this year. I know. And that's the time that I often get to meet and meet up with the amazing women that I've had an opportunity to talk to virtually. Um, and sometimes it's the only time I get to see them is during these events because uh, women in the industry and men in the industry oftentimes work long hours. So taking some time off and just shooting shooting the shit sometimes is isn't always uh, a feasible option especially leading up to those events there's a lot of long hours that are put in oh yeah absolutely so -hmm. do you think uh, your shop will get a car up to the Detroit Autorama oh eventually yeah Um, there's nothing in mind at the moment I do have one in mind that I would like to take to good guys ooh which one which good guys Say Columbus. Say the Columbus one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't really know all the details about good guys. Just whichever one we have to take it to. to I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Year. So okay, come on to Columbus. I know the Good Guys Nationals. One of their larger shows is here in Columbus. So yeah, yeah. Good event to see some people. Oh, for sure. And that that's really fun for me. I love the Good Guys shows for sure. Yeah, it's there's so many great cars. I mean, all of those. You talk about SEMA, good guys. I haven't been to Detroit Autorama. That is in my bucket list to go. But I imagine you walk around those shows, you, you see amazing car after car after car. Yeah. By the time you leave there and you come home to regular cars, yeah, it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and what's cool about the Autorama is like upstairs is... 100% serious like you got judges walking around with like a magnifying glass you know what I mean it's intense it's high stress like I can't I can't even watch them <laughs> you know they're looking at everything and I know where every flaw is and I'm like oh I hope they don't you're like don't that, you don't know? walk over there don't 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 get out your magnifying glass yeah. right there <laughs> yeah I'm like don't don't do that so, oh, man. so that's the top floor, right? And then you go on the bottom floor, which has a bunch of rat rods, rockabilly concerts, Gene Winfield's down there chopping a something, you know, chopping a top <laughs> of something. Like, it's just awesome. Like, two completely different environments. You know what so I mean? I, w- I want to compare here. So, um... SEMA versus Detroit Autorama. Mm, I don't know. That's a good one. I really... Hmm, 
Detroit, I don't get out around Detroit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like, I just, I go to the show and that's it. But at SEMA, there's a lot of after parties that, um, you know, I, I don't drink or whatever, but just the after parties that the, the companies put on, um, it's just a gathering place. Like Counts Customs does a, a get together every year. I, I go to that one, you know, there's just a lot of stuff to do after the show. The cars are cool, but the, you know, the gathering places and the hangout, and you really get to talk to these people just after the show too. More so at SEMA. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. They both have their perks and benefits. Right. And there may be some little competitions at SEMA. I'm not for sure. Oh, uh, Builder. Something Builder of the Year or something. There's there's some stuff going on at SEMA, but SEMA's pretty much like a laid back, show off your stuff mm-hmm. kind it's, of show. It's not true judging, like what, right. what you'd see yeah. at the Detroit Autorama. Oh, yeah. That's stressful there, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I think this is a good time to launch into the red line round, Madison. What it is is a five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you ready? All right. All right. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? I know you said rapid fire, but <laughs> I'm like, uh. Do, 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 yeah, do, no. no. <laughs> I have no clue. I mean, there's, I get my inspiration from so many people, so many things. You know, it's hard to really pin it down. On okay, you know what, my mom, your mama, yep. What is mom. mom's name? Tracy. Tracy, you've done well. Yeah, you've done well, Tracy. Yeah, I'm like, you know what, my mom, she's been there through thick and thin. That is way cool. That is way cool. You just you just made your mom stay, by the way. Oh yeah, she's she's the best. I'm telling you, Madison. Where? Do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job? YouTube, man. Everything is on YouTube. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, you know, of course, you can go to the TDS sheets. You can go to the different things. But I go to YouTube a lot. Like I'm having like on that coyote, I'm having a problem trying to get a solid tack reading. And I got an MSD uh, GMR pickup. I got this other classic instruments converter thing. And, you know, this is the first time I'm wiring stuff. And I'm just, I'm having a hard time with it. So I'm like, why didn't I think about this? YouTube. So, oh man, there's so much stuff on YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. There's some good stuff on there. Absolutely. Madison, what excites you most about what you do? The finished product. I've seen your finished products. <laughs> that would excite me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really, I don't know. Like whenever I start to see things come together, um, I start to get really excited. You know, of course, it's like I like the painting. Um, it's probably my my favorite thing to do. But whenever we start, putting things together and final assembly i'm like okay let's like uh, let's like work double time try to get this thing done you know i'm like 
Like I just, I'm pushing through till the finished product. Like that's, I, I just, I have the end goal in mind, you know, like that's where I'm shooting for. Beautiful. There, there is something to be said for that. So it's hard to explain to someone and I'm trying to think of a good analogy and I'm struggling with it. But when you put that much time and attention and effort into something like the first time that you hear the engine turn over the first time that you drive it, it just it's a feeling unlike any other. It really is. It's 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 not a big surprise. People are moved to tears when it happens. Oh, yeah. We were we were stuck on that coyote for a while. Like I just we'd turn it over, it'd run for two seconds and then it would stop. You know, it would blow a fuse and it would just cut off. And I don't want to tell you what fixed it because <laughs> it was it was just so stupid. And but anyway, whenever we fixed it and it started running, we were able to drive it, take it on test drives. I was just like, Okay, let's get yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like an you adrenaline know? boost. Yeah. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in in the industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? Hmm. Walk away. You you've got to walk away from the problem for a minute. Um, you know, sit back, think, you know, what did I do? Did I do anything wrong? Because if you just if you just keep working on it and try to fix it and you're just emotionally, physically drained, you're not helping anything. You just, hey, it's going to be there tomorrow. Just take a break. Walk away. Sound advice. That is sound advice. And speaking of advice, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? Um, number one advice, uh, I see a lot of ladies in like the Facebook groups that take a lot of stuff personally with the guys in the shop. Like these girls were really take this stuff to heart and you know, it's really hard to not really take this stuff seriously. So I grew up with a big brother, you know, one thing that my mom would always tell me is just like, ignore them. Like, act like it doesn't bother you and that will bother them more. And it works. So, you know, even if you say something, if somebody says something to you that's that's a little hurtful, which it, it takes practice to not be hurt by somebody like that. Um, so if somebody says something to you hurtful, just know that you can't you can't control what other people say but you can control how you react to them i love that that is so well said yeah somebody can come up here and start yelling in my face and if i just start yelling back you know what's that gonna solve but if i just sit here and act like it don't bother me which you know sometimes it may not really and sometimes it may bother me but i'm gonna act like it doesn't that's going to affect them a lot more than, you know, firing back at them. Because that's what they want. They want to poke you and push your buttons and get you all fired up. And they just like to antagonize. So if you don't play into their little games and just like, yeah, we're... I'm catching what you're throwing and I'm throwing it back. 
Yeah. And I mean, they will, they will even respect you a little bit more. You just got to work with what you got. You know, people in this industry are going to be crude. They're going to be nasty. You just better figure out how to deal with it. That is sound advice. And Madison, where and how can people connect with you and your company? I I have a Facebook. I may not add you for three months, but if you just want to add me on Facebook, um, just Madison Alexander. My business is on Facebook, Riveting Rides. I'm on Instagram, which is Madison underscore Alexander with like two X's. Riveting Rides is on Instagram too. It's Riveting underscore Rides. I don't tweet. I don't TikTok. I don't do none of that. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think your response, because uh, I, I have it on there for people to share that stuff, and you put, definitely not for TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, that's wonderful. That. Madison, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. I so enjoyed you walking us through your journey in the industry. Well, thank you very much. My name is Madison Alexander, and I'm the owner of Riveting Rides, Hot Rods, and Customs in Milan, Tennessee, and I am a femme mechanic. Joni Butler is in the driver's seat next. This small-town girl from Northern California graced the amateur surfing scene in the early 90s, all while pursuing her passion in the trades. Immediately after high school, she entered into the trades moonlighting as an assistant crew chief on a NASCAR sportsman team. Certified in small engine mechanics, taught herself how to weld before YouTube was an option, dabbled in metal art, and was a sales representative and metal fabricator for a company that sold direct-fit catalytic converters, and later was recruited to work for ArcZone.com. Be sure to tune in and hear from this icon in the industry. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, FemcanicGarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help, grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?